Children, I want to thank you for having already lifted up all of our hearts. Our hearts are already full. If you sing and lead us anymore, they're going to be overflowing. Um, Friday night, I was here uh, with Amy and Scott Bell and Brew Davis, and we were practicing for today. And we ate pizza, and we played hide-and-seek, and we practiced in here. And maybe my favorite part of the night was when one of the children said, uh, uh, Amy, uh, is that guy Pastor Mike? <laughs> For you guests, it's, my name's not Mike. Um, <clears throat> is that guy Pastor Mike going to, is he going to be up there, that guy that, that stands up there and talks? And I was standing right there. <laughs> I said, I am virtually certain that he's going to be there. So, wherever you are, I'm, Pastor Mike is here. Um, Amy, thank you for your leadership, for filling up our hearts with your leadership for our children and our families, for the love that you share not only with our children and our families, but with all of us. Thank you for being our minister. Well, kids, you've already done such a great job. I don't want to puff you up any more than I already have. But Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to you. He says the adults, the parents... All those folks can wait a minute because he wants to hang out with you. He says, let the little children come to me and don't stop them because it's to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. So, the kingdom of God belongs not to me, not to all the, these grown-ups. It belongs to you and if we have it, it's because you shared it with us. But you have even more in common with God than that. I suspect, see I have two little kids too, I suspect that pretty much any kid would much rather play outside than sit inside at a desk, right? Much rather go outside and play. Well how about you would much rather go outside even more if it was a kind of a warm day, it had just rained and it was really muddy outside and there were a lot of mud puddles. Wouldn't that be even more fun? Yes. They're, they're shaking no, but they mean yes. <clears throat> uh, I, I, I've rarely seen a kid that saw a mud puddle they didn't want to jump in. And that's what you kids are always doing. You're always jumping in mud puddles and and throwing mud at each other and putting mud at each other's hair and tracking mud into the house. and That's why we adults can't have nice things. <laughs> because you keep getting them dirty. <clears throat> I heard that. <laughs> I'm trying here. I'm trying real hard. Anyway. Here's something else you have in common with God, or at least that makes you 
closer to God and God's view than adults. But God likes to play in the mud, too. You might remember the very beginning of the Genesis story. Right there at the very beginning of chapter 2, Genesis, the, the world has not grown any plants yet. There aren't any people on it yet. It's just dry earth. And then all of a sudden, a spring forms and begins to sprout up and, and spew and course across the face of the ground. And it's not until that dry dust is wet from the stream and turned to mud that God scoops God's hand down into the dirt, into that thick, gooey mud, and begins to play. And God begins by jumping in that giant mud puddle, getting God's hands dirty, scooping up the mud, and beginning to to sling it and to fashion it and shape it. And it begins to take shape and to form in the image of God into a human being. And God shapes it and gives it, gives it bones and, and sinews and, and flesh. And then God, then God opens its nostrils. Isn't that funny that there's nostrils in the Bible? I'm flaring my nostrils, can you tell? <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough crowd. This is just a... <laughs> so God takes this muddy substance, still isn't alive yet, puts his mouth over the nostrils and breathes life into the creature and all of a sudden there is the first human being it's alive now timothy our scripture text for today timothy says that the same thing happens with the scriptures in fact, the scriptures were a partnership creation between God and human beings. For the course of thousands of years, human beings, inspired by what they saw God doing in the world, began to write about it. And they, they made a record of God's revelation to share with each other and to keep the memory alive of, of what God has done among God's people. But I want you to imagine the way that Timothy tells it, that the scripture is not alive until God breathes it. Just as God breathed into the clay, the mud, and created this creature, God breathes into the Scriptures. That's what Timothy says. The Scriptures are God-breathed. Some translations say inspired, but if you want to get as literal as possible, it's God-breathed. Like God picks up this text and breathes into it, and it comes alive. Imagine taking up a Bible and opening up the page and the print on the paper is black on white. But when God breathes into it, it looks like, there's, it looks like they've caught fire and all the, all the letters turn, turn red and orange and white like they're alive and like, like they're glowing embers, every word. That's the image of Scripture that I want you to have because that's true. 
That's what happens when God breathes the word. It's the same with your heart. When you think about what Jeremiah said, that God wrote God's promises on our hearts, you imagine the scripture written on your insides and that when it comes alive, when God breathes God's spirit on you and your life, those words begin to glow inside you. And you become weary from holding them in, so you have, to, you have to share them. You have to get them out. You have to share the good news of the gospel that's written on your heart. Now, I've been to a lot of classes on the Bible. I've been to too many classes about the Bible. And there's a difference between Bible classes that I imagine some of you already have learned. And one of the differences, the central difference to me, is whether the teacher teaches the Bible as though it were a dead letter or a living word. Now, in my first official Bible class that was not at church, I was in college, it was my freshman year, and I got into the classroom and the teacher began to crack open the Bible as though... It was different from church. It was as though it was uh, dead. And he began to tell us about something called source theory. Have you ever heard of source theory, kids? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Yahwist source? What about, what about the priestly source? What about the Deuteronomistic source? Well... Oh. You know, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about these sources, but I felt like I was lost. I felt like I'd never read the Bible before, even though I'd grown up with it. And all of a sudden I realized that this professor treated the scripture like it was just an object for study and for dissection. Like it was almost like a cadaver, like a dead body. And he was taking a scalpel to it and showing it to us. And that's all valuable, that's all good, but it's not the central purpose of how we read the Bible. It's not the main way we read the Bible. Because the Bible is not the university's book. At least it is not only the university's book. The Bible first is the church's book. Paul tells the Corinthians that the letter kills rules, regulations, do's and don'ts. When we treat Scripture that way, like it's just merely a system of beliefs, we really miss the living spirit that the Bible gives us. We really miss out on the sense that we follow a living, breathing God who not only breathes, but breathes on us and in us and inspires us to read the words given to us. The letter kills, Paul says, but the Spirit gives life. And that's where my favorite Bible classes come into play. My favorite Bible classes, my favorite Bible teachers were, were the ones where the teacher always said to me, you are the character in this story. The story is not back there. The story is not ancient. You are the main character. You and your friends are living these stories even today. It happens. Every time you're playing with clay or playing in the mud or playing with blocks or Legos, you are imitating a creative, creating God. 
And Scripture comes alive in your play. Every time you stand up to a bully, you take on the role of David standing up to Goliath. Don't throw anything. Don't sling anything. But the Scripture comes alive in you and you're brave. The Scripture comes alive in you, maybe sometimes even in the middle of the night when you wake up and you're wondering about your life or questions that you have in your head. You're just like Samuel who a long time ago when the word of the Lord was rare in those days, the Scripture said, the word still came to a young child in the middle of the night and whispered to him, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel ran to his teacher and his teacher said, it must be the Lord. Scripture comes alive in you when you have doubts and when you're afraid. Scripture comes alive in you. You're a character in the Scriptures when you go into your closet or in your room and you shut the door and you pray to the Lord in secret, just like Jesus called us to do. And you're most alive when the Scripture comes alive in you that says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. Now, if you really believe that, children, grown-ups, well, that'll make a child out of all of us. To believe that a man was crucified and buried and raised again in order that we might have life that God might continue to breathe in us, through us, to others. If you believe that, that'll make a child out of you, no matter your age. This is the gospel that 2 Timothy says, scriptures point us to. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. I like to think of the church these days, because people discount church a lot more than they used to. I like to think of the resident power in the congregation to be this living, breathing instance, this demonstration plot of God's breath in the world. I like to think of the way that Ezekiel told the story of Israel, when everybody had counted Israel out, he said he stood down in a valley and he saw a valley of dry bones. And the word of the Lord came to him and asked him, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, oh Lord, you know. And the Spirit of God descended on the valley on all of those dry bones. If you can imagine a bunch of Halloween de decorations that have been picked apart, just skeletons everywhere paving the ground throughout the valley. And all of a sudden, there's a rattling sound. And you see the bones begin to rattle and vibrate and move, and they begin to attach one to another at the joints. Bone to bone. And then there becomes flesh, sinews, tendons begin to attach the bones and hold them together, and then organs and flesh, and then God wraps every creature with skin. And then, remember this? God breathes. God breathes on all the creatures and His Spirit enters 
their bodies and they come back to life. This is the picture of the church that I see today. A church with children at its center and children at its heart that's inspiring the rest of us to believe these wonderful, amazing, almost unbelievable stories about who God is. You children are the ones who teach us that this spirit who raises the dead and who puts dry bones back together and breathes life into places that had lost hope, this same spirit still swooshes into sanctuaries, into Bible studies, into children's classrooms, into living rooms, into around kitchen tables, around campfires to shape, to teach, train, equip, and inspire all of us to recognize that God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So I pray for our children that you would know just how much you have to share with the rest of us. How powerful what you have is to give to all of us. I pray you'll keep sharing it and telling us this good news. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. Well, if you say so.